0: Good evening, everyone. I was just saying to Thomas that I really like this new podium. This is a short man's podium. We used to have a Carl Martin podium that was about this height. And I used to notice that... Sorry, I'll not speak about Thomas. I'll speak about myself. I used to notice that if I was speaking and went behind the podium, I was kind of about here. So this is, this is much better, so I'm very thankful for this podium. I know we shouldn't be too materialistic, but there you have it. So, we are in a series called Finished, and we have been looking at the words of Jesus um, and his crucifixion. I don't know about you, but I believe that this is the most significant moment in history, Anyone else? You know, think about all the things that have happened in history. There's been a lot of significant things. Even in the 20th century, we can think of the Berlin Wall coming down or whatever. You know, there are incredible things that have happened in history. But a man died and rose to life. Think about it. A man died and rose to life is there anything more serious than death death is the ultimate end you know we can have a the fall of communism or whatever it is that it takes but there's nothing more final than death in fact what's amazing about jesus is he suffered and died And when we look at the story of the crucifixion, we see him suffering. Sometimes it's called the passion. The passion is is a a term within traditional Orthodox churches. The passion is how Jesus embraced suffering and he died. And yet the incredible thing is this, that, that when we look at the news and we see suffering and we see death, there is only one man, who has conquered both? Think about it. Only one man in the whole history of the world has embraced suffering, has died, and overcame death, and that's Jesus Christ. So that's what I believe. Does anyone else believe that? You're all very quiet. See, there's a sort of black Pentecostal in me that wants a hallelujah and amen, so I'm really sorry. <laughs> I'm sure when I get my resurrected body, that's what it's going to be. (laughs) You know, you'll get to heaven. Do you have any black Pentecostals in the room? (laughs) When we get to heaven, I'll just not look like myself at all. I'll be tall for a start. (laughs) Do you know, this moment of the crucifixion and the resurrection changed everything. I actually believe that every molecule in the cosmos was affected by that one moment. That it's something that we think is so natural, death was broken. This is a deep thought. And when death was broken, something shifted in the makeup of the universe. And I really believe it has cosmic consequences. And I think that, I know, okay, it happened 2,000 years ago, but I think it's as relevant today as it's ever been. And one of the things I love to do, I love to look at uh, movies, because movies are often statements of what's happening in society. They're reflections, they're, they can be quite prophetic, and what I mean by that is they, they speak out the desi- deep desires that people have, and they, they also speak out the deep desires that God has. And this week I went to see Ghost in the Machine. Has anyone seen it? Some of you are a bit embarrassed, like, should I really have gone to see Ghost in the Machine? Any sci-fi fans in the room? Yeah, thank you. That's right, we'll pray for you later. <laughs> Ghost in the Machine, um, it is a remake, it's not a new movie. Ghost in the Machine is it's a sci-fi movie. It has Scarlett Johansson in it. And she's, she's stolen as a, a young woman, and her brain is taken, I told you it was sci-fi, her brain is taken and placed into a cyborg body, a robotic body. And that's why it's called the ghost in the machine. The ghost is that part of her, her soul. And yet, she's in this cyborg body, and the whole movie is about, who am I? Uh, Am I this body? Uh, Am I just a brain? You know, because there is a, a psychological and a scientific idea out there that our brain creates chemicals, and those chemicals create reactions, and then we get our emotions, and those emotions tell us something about who we are. But you and I are far, far more than that. Do you agree? That we have a soul, and this this movie is fascinating. If you haven't seen it, you know, you can now go with a holy cleansing <laughs> and watch it and see that God is speaking. God, God is speaking in unusual places. God speaks far more out there than He does in here. Did you know that? We need to get out there and listen for what God is saying. And God is speaking through a lot of movies, and Ghost the Machine is one of them, she asks, who am I? Am I more than this person? Am I more than my memories? Do I have a ghost, a soul that's something beyond? And That's the whole point of the movie. Is it my brain that makes me who I am, or am I something more? It's a great question to ask. And tonight, I want you to ask yourself that question. Am I just this physical body? You know, most of you that are here tonight are young. So it's quite easy to look at your physical body and think, yeah, I'm fine. But some of you are laughing. Don't look at your neighbor. (laughs) But when you get a little bit older, your body starts to let you down a little bit. And you start to think, am I more than just this body? And um, one of my favorite actors is um, uh, Morgan Freeman, okay? And I love the movie Bruce Almighty. How many of you have seen Bruce Almighty? Yeah. And who does Morgan Freeman play in Bruce Almighty? He plays God, doesn't he? And um, I know you're far too young, but there is a channel. It's called the National Geographic Channel. You'll know I've heard of it (laughs) because it's just old people, who don't have a life, that watch the National Geographic channel, okay, who watch documentaries. You get to a certain age in life, and suddenly documentaries become very interesting. Anyway, Morgan Freeman is doing a documentary um, on the National Geographic channel, and it's called The Story of God, and it's a sort of anthropological look at cultures throughout history. Have we got a picture of him up there? There he is. I was, I was going to attempt to do an impersonation, but I've decided not to. <laughs> if it had been Sean Connery, that might have been easier. <laughs> but I'm not going to. Anyway, what's interesting is in the first minute of the show, he explains that his paternal grandmother taught him about the gospel of Jesus Christ. And then he says this sentence, which kind of shocked me, because he then said... That good people go to heaven and bad people get punished. And see, to me, that's not the gospel. That's not the economy of heaven. And what we're going to do is we're going to look at this passage in Luke. And we're going to see something very, very astounding. Have you ever asked yourself if heaven is real? Have you ever asked yourself who gets to go there? I guarantee you that people out there are asking that question. I guarantee you that people are going to watch movies like Ghost of the Machine and ask themselves, who am I? Is there more to me than my brain than the chemicals that create emotions? And um, we're going to look at, in Luke 23, we're going to find out that heaven And paradise is not what the Red Bull advert says. Do you know the Red Bull advert? It's like, Red Bull gives you wings. And you've got a sort of picture of, um, hey, there we go. Um, You know, I don't really get Red Bull, by the way. But that's another subject. Um, But we've got this sort of stereotype of, you know, white robes and harps and wings and all that kind of thing. And that is the folklore that most of us in the West have been taught is that good people go to heaven and bad people get punished. And then when we get to Luke 23 we find the most unlikely candidate for paradise. A thief who's condemned to death and it's just. So let's go there. Let's turn there. It's Luke 23. And it picks up in verse 33. So I'm just going to read through it. When they came to the place called the skull, they crucified him, Jesus, there, along with the criminals, one on his right, the other on his left. And then Jesus says this amazing thing. Father, forgive them, for they do not know what they are doing. Do you know, I don't know about you, but when I'm in pain, I'm not very forgiving. In fact, if you ask faith, my wife, she'll tell you, no, you're very grumpy. But here we have Jesus. Crucifixion was one of the most brutal tortures and deaths in the whole of Roman Empire's history. And here is this Son of God, being crucified in, in mortal agony, and he forgives. That tells you something about the man. They divided up his clothes by casting lots, and the people stood watching. And the rulers even sneered at him. They said, he saved others. Let him save himself if he's God's Messiah, the chosen one. The soldiers also came up and mocked him. They offered him wine vinegar and said, if you are the king of the Jews, save yourself. There was a written notice above him which read, this is the king of the Jews. And one of the criminals who hung there Hurled insults at him. Aren't you the Messiah? Save yourself and us. But the other criminal rebuked him. Don't you fear God? What an incredible question. Don't you fear God? Here's this criminal hanging, going through the same mortal agony. He says, since you are under the same sentence, we are punished justly, for we are getting what our deeds deserve. But this man has done nothing wrong. Then he said, Jesus, remember me when you come into your kingdom. And Jesus answered him, truly I tell you, Today, you will be with me in paradise. (laughs) Wow. (gasps) You see, when Morgan Freeman, in the first minute of the documentary, says good people go to heaven and bad people get justly punished, that is the world's system. But the economy of heaven is so different. Jesus is looking for followers. That's what he's looking for. And so this thief says to him, when you enter your kingdom, remember me. And Jesus doesn't say, well, if only had you sorted out your life, if only you had been a better person, Now it's too late. Sorry, door closed. He doesn't say that, does he? He says, you will be with me in paradise because the issue is the issue of the heart. What is is our heart towards Jesus? Will we recognize him as king? You know, the thief says, when you enter your kingdom are we willing to submit ourselves to king jesus because if you are you will experience heaven and i don't just mean when you die the, the key is that the question is not about what happens when i die the question is am i going to live before i die am i going to experience the economy of heaven or do I want to live under the, well, am I ever going to be good enough? And like Scarlett Johansson in the movies, always question, who, who am I? Am I doing enough? What makes me me? But when we submit ourselves to God, the God who created us, it all starts to make sense. Because something comes alive in our spirits that gives us a revelation of who we really are. It's quite an incredible thing. So here we have Jesus surrounded by people who are against him. The religious rulers sneered, the soldiers mocked, and the criminals hurled insults. And actually, today, it's not that different. I remember, it must be a couple of years ago, I was walking down the Royal Mile... Uh, during the Fringe Festival and I had my son with me. It must be three years ago now because he's, he's now 18. My youngest son is 18 and he was with me and we were just going around seeing all the different performances on the Royal Mile and the entertainers. It was great fun and we sat down with the crowd on the steps of St. Giles Cathedral and this very enthusiastic promoter. You know, you get all the promoters with their flyers and they're trying to get you to go to their thing. And he came up to me and he sort of started to do a bit of a performance and say, you must come to our show. It's called Mocking the Savior. Basically, it's a room with a cross. And what we do is you put someone on the cross and you can hurl insults at them. And I just sat there stony-faced, and my 15-year-old's like, "Dad, what are you going to do?" Dad?" He was like, "Don't embarrass me, Dad, don't do anything." So because he was there, because I might have punched the guy in the face, but um, no, I wouldn't have done that. I just sat there, and because I sat there quietly, he got more exaggerated well, you could say this and you could do this and you could spit on him and, and he got really vile. And as the crowd around were like, oh, this is very, very entertaining. There was more people gathering around and this guy thought, what a brilliant PR opportunity. I'm going to get even you know, more insulting and say so you could do this and this and this. And this went on for like three, four minutes. And I said to him very quietly, I am not the kind of person that would come to that show. And he said, and this is really loud by now, and everybody's watching. He said, and why not? I said, because I am a pastor of a church. And the whole crowd went, (gasps) (laughs) and then (coughs) the crowd turned on this guy. And started basically giving them abuse. And then coming up to me and saying, Oh, wasn't that terrible? That was terrible. <gasps> Can't believe it. And <laughs> I thought, Wow. Do you know, it's so easy to mock Jesus in our culture. But God did something highly supernatural just by me being there and responding in a certain way. He turned the situation around that when this man, who did it in ignorance, I wasn't angry with him, but when this man suddenly came into the holy presence, like the, the atmosphere changed and the people round about changed. And what I'm saying to you is that if, if you will stand for Christ, atmospheres will change around you, even though Jesus is being mocked. So we have something to stand for. Does that make sense? It was quite ironic that it was um, on the steps of St. Giles Cathedral as well. The place where, you know, a great reformation, a religious reformation happened in the heart of the city. So I really believe that was a supernatural thing. So... I want us to think about this story because this act, it changes everything. You know, uh, Thomas prayed earlier about Syria and we know that gassing women and children is wrong, it's unjust and we, we wonder what, what can we do and honestly, you can trust Donald Trump Or you can trust Vladimir Putin. Or you can trust the person who overcame suffering and death. Because Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin are probably the two most powerful men in the world. And then there's Jesus. (laughs) There is no one more powerful than Jesus. I remember one time a Church of Scotland minister phoned me up and he said, there's an old lady who's blind and she's being attacked by demons in the night. And I wasn't sure, is this this going to be an issue where she's got mental health problems or whatever? So I said, well, I'll come with you. And we went to see this beautiful old lady and she described what was happening and she was covered in bruises and the social work department had basically said, she's probably just falling over but I really believed that something was going on, that there was something quite dark and spiritual happening. She was being attacked in the night. And I said to her, are you a Christian? She said, no, I'm not. I've gone to church for many years, but I'm not a Christian. I said, did you know that in the spiritual world, there is a pecking order and that Jesus is the King of heaven? And if you will submit yourself to Jesus... When you use his name, every other spiritual force must submit to that name. And she said, wow, that sounds great. Okay, I said, well, do you want to give your life to Jesus? She said, yeah, I do. So I led her to Christ. And I said, when this spiritual force, I didn't use the word demon because I thought it might frighten her. I said when this spiritual force comes to you at night, you say, Jesus is my new boss, and you have to leave. And from that night, she never had a single problem ever again. Isn't that wonderful? That might be worth a round of applause for Jesus, by the way. <laughs> you know, when you see how Jesus responded <clears throat> on the cross, there's a wonderful quote. It's by a guy called Robert McKee. He says, true character is revealed in the choices a human being makes under pressure. The greater the pressure, the deeper the revelation, the truer the choice to the character's essential nature. And there's two things that you can see in Jesus. First, he forgives those who are against him. And maybe you're here tonight and you have lived a life that has been against him. You've not done it knowingly. Do you know, most of us who mock Jesus are just pawns in a bigger game. We don't realize that there are forces at work in the world, and we are just being moved by them. That's why we need to come under the kingdom of God. We need to submit ourselves to Jesus, King Jesus. Let's not trust Donald Trump or Vladimir Putin. You know when you put it in those terms it seems like an easy decision doesn't it Well surely you would choose King Jesus But we live in such a culture that we tr- we do trust other people and sometimes we trust ourselves more than we trust Jesus But Jesus forgives those who are against him And secondly he he welcomes a man condemned to death into paradise And maybe you're here and you're thinking, do you know what? I'm bad. I'm not good. And maybe you've bought into the world's economy that says that you should be punished and only good people go to heaven. Well, do you know what? I'm here to tell you that that's a lie. That is a lie. If you will follow Jesus he'll say, you can come with me to paradise. You can learn how to pray your kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven and begin to experience that now. And what happens is a supernatural act changes the atmosphere of your life and you receive the gift of the Holy Spirit and you are forever connected to heaven. It's an amazing thing. And so we see Jesus forgive In fact, on his dying breath, he forgives this man, which is incredible. I just want to finish with one last story about forgiveness on a dying breath. My dad is a wonderful dad. He's Irish, so that, you know, come on the Irish. Good, my second name is Brennan, that's a good Donegal Irish Catholic surname. And so all of my cousins were Celtic supporters, <laughs> and they all went to the Celtic club in Perth, this was. And my dad was actually, well, what happened was my grandmother got pregnant with him to a man that she wasn't married to, which in those days was quite a shocking thing. And so this, she got pregnant, and this man just disappeared. And when my, my dad's mom, my grandmother, actually met a guy and got married, this man said, this boy isn't my boy. I don't want anything to do with him. And so he was rejected by two fathers, which creates an orphan mindset. And so my, my dad was raised by his grandmother, Granny Brennan used to make the most fantastic soda bread. I remember it well. <laughs> and she was like the matriarch. She was, this, she was as round as she was tall. She was like a ball, basically. <laughs> in flowery clothes. That's what she looked like. The height was never in our family. <laughs> And my dad was raised by Granny Brennan, who just was absolutely amazing. But he wasn't raised by his own mother. So my granny was this granny Brennan who took on the orphans. And it it did something to my relationship with my dad's mum. A bitterness came into my spirit. I was angry at her. I didn't know this. And we didn't have much of a connection. I was angry with her because she had allowed my dad, who I loved, to be rejected twice. And it was kind of unsaid. And so all my years growing up as a teenager and into my 20s, I didn't really have a good relationship with her. And then I became a Christian and I put myself under King Jesus and it was a different economy. It wasn't an economy of, well, you deserve punishment. And and my dad's mum, she was dying. She was quite old by that point. She was dying and she was in hospital. And she got a message to me and she said, I'd like you to come and see me. That's how she spoke. (laughs) In fact, when Faith first met her, she needed a translator. She couldn't understand. Come and see me, she said. And I went to see her. But God had prepared my heart. She said, I would like us to pray the Lord's Prayer together. It was just like this incredible moment where the economy of heaven poured into the room and forgiveness released bitterness. It released broken relationships. It changed my relationship with her. It changed my relationship with my dad. It changed everything. That's the economy of heaven. That's what happens when you give yourself to King Jesus. So you might think, well, I'm a mocker, or I'm bitter, or I've been rejected. You might even be quite religious, like the religious rulers sneered, the soldiers sneered at Jesus, the the religious rulers mocked him. You might identify with any of those people, but Jesus says to you, today you can be with me in paradise. So I'd like us to stand. Will you live before you die? Ask yourself that question. Am I willing to live before I die? Am I just a brain in a body? Or do I have a soul? A soul that's crying out to connect with the Creator of the universe. And maybe you're here as a Christian, and I I really sensed when Jonathan was singing that song, Our God Reigns, that some of you are here, and you don't believe that. And the reason you don't believe it is because you're not experiencing breakthrough. It feels like you're experiencing defeat. And I really believe that resurrection power is the answer. The only way you get resurrection power is by being connected to the resurrected one. Let me say that again. The only way you get resurrection power is by being connected to the resurrected one, Jesus. He's the only one in the whole of history that died and rose to life. So I'm going to just pray. And I want us to respond. Are you ready to live before you die? And are you willing to allow God's resurrection power access to your life? Or are you going to trust Donald Trump and Vladimir Putin? There's your choices. Because they are the two most, other, two most powerful people in the world. So that's what it boils down to. So I want us to close our eyes. Lord Jesus, thank you that you overcame death and there's nothing more final. You endured suffering, but with joy, you tapped into the economy of heaven in a way that gave you power and resources that you now offer to us. And so God, I ask, Holy Spirit, would you release your resurrection power? I want you just to reach out to God right now. Maybe there are situations where you feel like, I'm just not getting breakthrough. I need resurrection power. Things are holding you back. You keep hitting a wall, the same wall. And that maybe, you know, you're here and tonight this is good news for you. You've not realized, maybe you've lived under the economy of good people go to heaven and bad people get punished. If you're here tonight and you would like to accept the gift of forgiveness from Jesus, I want you to just put your hand up. First time, thank you. Thank you. That's great. Thank you. It changes everything. And if you you would like to tap into resurrection power, just stick your hand up. Just sometimes making a physical action is a good thing to do. If you want to tap into God's resurrection power, to see a particular situation change, just stick your hand up. Thank you, Lord. So we pray for each of those situations. God, you know them intimately, and you have generous resources at your disposal. And so I pray for every person in this room. In Jesus' name, amen.